Good morning. A few weeks ago, we started a lesson about imputed righteousness of Christ. And today, we're going to continue that lesson. We're in Romans 4. And we read most all of it. If you want to read through that, I'm not going to go back and read through all of Romans 4. But I would like to get a couple of highlights before we get into today's lesson. Because if we remember right, imputed is to represent something on someone else. In other words, we have Christ's righteousness put on us. Not that I'm righteous, because my righteousness in the Bible is described as filthy rags. But what can I offer to God? Thanksgiving and gratefulness. That's what I can offer. Faithfulness. Obedience. Obedience to the cross. Baptism. Coming into Christ. Those are the things that we can do. But in the meantime, are we perfect? Do we practice it perfect? But righteousness is imputed to us. Why? Because God loves us. He sent his son for that very purpose. That he might purchase us back. From what? From ourselves. From sin. From sin. Because he wants us to be with us. So why? Why are we, why are we subjected to this in life's way? Why are we subjected to the good and evils of life? Why don't you just uh, say, who wants to come to heaven? We'll just raise your hand and we'll go. Because it's the trial of your faith. You see, God loves us. And his faith was tried and proven to the Son. How he loves us. And now, when we turn around, we have to look at his son for our salvation. Because it's his son's righteousness that's counted towards me and you. See, because my righteousness isn't going to count anything on that day. Because if I was to take everything in my life, and you think about your life, and if you were to take everything that you thought was good, and if you were to bundle it all together, would it be anything toward God? Why? Because it's not like he prescribed he wants us to come to him his way, not our way. We don't have the right to say, we're coming to you this way, or we're going to offer this. He wants us to have an offering of faith, a spiritual life of faith of thanksgiving. But to do that, we have to understand salvation. And the problem is, is we're not always convinced of salvation because we don't understand the imputed righteousness of Christ in our life. And therefore, because we haven't built our faith, reading God's word, and know about the imputed righteousness of Christ, we walk along in this life, and we're beggarly, and we're weak, because we're still looking to the world to give us some kind of an answer out here, because we're not, we're not totally convinced of this imputed righteousness. <coughs> but when we become convinced, 100% strongly convinced, that we have the imputed righteousness of Christ residing on us every day as we live, and that God's looking down on us with favor, then guess what happens? We have a renewed spirit to live in obedience to our faith and to Christ. Because without it, I don't have that. If I don't have a clear vision of salvation, okay, I'm talking about me, but I think you kind of can relate. If I don't have a clear vision of salvation, then I don't know what my role is. And I'm confused about, well, you know, the world offers some pretty cool stuff out there, you know, and I don't know. You know, they, they're 
kind of worthy of some of my time and respect, you know. And I'm not understanding that I'm here to be tried by the world. And that I'm to be resisting in Christ to all the temptation. Now, does that mean I can't live? No. Does that mean I can't enjoy things that go on in our society? No. You know, we have fall festivals. There's lots of things people can do. But there's a different way. Everything is good or bad depending upon how you do it. Dad taught me that knife's good. Cut steak with, cut rope with, to win with. But you threaten your neighbor, you cut him with it. It ain't good. And the same tool can be used for both intents, good or evil. And so our intent is to live and understand the imputed righteousness of Christ on us so that we understand that we are favored by God even though we're not perfect. Because i got to have that. And you got to have that. Because I'm not perfect. And I want to condemn myself. And even Paul, the Apostle Paul said, hey, I don't, I don't condemn myself. I look at myself in Christ. And when we look at ourselves in Christ, then we look at ourselves in a different way. Right? You guys are all citizens of the United States of America today, right? <coughs> if you go to a different country, even Canada, you're still a citizen of the United States. And you are accustomed to all our stuff. I only been to Canada one twice, and you can ask her, I didn't like it at all. Money's <laughs> weird, the exchange is weird, everything's weird. I want to get back in the U.S. right now. Okay? But that's because I want to be in my homeland. And we become in our homeland when we start understanding our relationship to God and that He is looking at us through the righteousness of His Son. Because I am not going to have any righteousness that even comes close to matching this kind of righteousness. The only thing that I can have is this. Living by faith. Gratefulness. Faithfulness. Obedience. Separating myself, being sanctified into Christ from the world. Look what it says, verse 8 of Romans 12. It says, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not reckon sin. He's not saying that the guy doesn't have sin. He's saying he's not counting it against him. Now, I have fully intent, this moment on, starting tomorrow, because you don't look in the past, of doing the very best I can in Christ, right? Don't you have that too? All right, so we have this intent that we're going to do what's right in Christ no matter what befalls us. Whether it's our jobs, our family, our friends, doesn't matter. Any situation. But when we get out there, some of us have a more mature faith, some of us have a less mature faith, and some of us have a mature faith in this area, but not a mature faith in that area. So we get out there, and in the practice of life, what do we do? We come up a little short, don't we? We do. But Christ did not. You see, and we're walking in the Lord. We're trying to be on that highway of righteousness. We're struggling against sin. Are you perfect? No. Christ was. And his righteousness is imputed to you. And you're struggling. And you're, you're fighting. And you're trying to walk in the light. You're there. Salvation's already been paid. You already have salvation. Now. And you've got to understand that you have salvation today. So that if you are taking the last breath, you're not taking it in fear. But that's the way so you and you're living... You're living with that spirit of God within you, guiding you with whatever decision you're making. And look at what he says there. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will 
not. I write contracts for a living, folks. When you say will not, shall not, so far, that's contractual verbiage, language. So he said that there is a man to whom the Lord will not reckon sin. Well, who is that man? The man that's in Christ. And when I say man, I'm saying universal. That means you ladies too. Right? Because God looks at us all the same. There ain't no one of us better. We're all struggling for the same thing, the prize of salvation. And he's already purchased it for us. The problem is, is we doubt the imputed righteousness and we forget that our life is to be a spiritual life. We're going to read about that as we get down in the scriptures. But let's look down here in uh, our Romans 4. And I'd like you to read the whole thing, but we don't have time this morning. But I'd like you to go down to verse 20. Because we're going to see about faith. Faith is a key ingredient in the life, the spiritual life of a Christian. I have to know. I have to know that I'm saved. I have to know that my sins have been paid for. I have to know that I have that, that relationship with God. I have to know that in order to be stronger. So that I can resist the world. Because, you know the song, Take the World but Give Me Jesus. Oh, by the way, there is a song I wanted to do this, uh, read a couple of lyrics out of this morning. I couldn't find it. So if one of you guys could find it, it's the one that Merle likes. It's uh, Let Me Know How Much I Owe at the End of Life. You know what, you, what I'm thinking of? It's 487 in the red book. 487? You got it that quick? <laughs> I'm jealous of your mind and of your height. <laughs> okay, 487. So if you'll pick that up for me, hon, I'll get the book from you in a second. But looking under the promise of God, verse 20, I want us to read this about Abraham. Because we've got to see this too. We've got to put ourselves in the same spot as Abraham because we're the children of Abraham. We're the children of promise. He's the father of all those who are sanctified uh, into Christ through that promise. So we've got to understand where he was at. We've got to understand the strength of his faith because I want to have the strength of Abraham. I want to be just like Abraham when it comes to the obedience to God. You see we want to emulate those, those heroes of faith. So he says, verse 20, yet looking under the promise of God. Now you see why the, the promise of God is so important to know that we have salvation, to know that we have this imputed righteousness, to know that we have salvation as we live each and every day of our life. It's very important because he says right here, he said, looking under the promise of God, he wavered not through unbelief, but he waxed strong through faith. So he grew in his faith because he believed God. He didn't waver. He didn't waver. Well, what was he wavering about? Let's talk about the situation. He was almost 100 years old. Sarah was too. And God promised them uh, children at that point. And they're thinking, hey, this ain't going to happen anymore. But they didn't think that. That's what we would think. They wavered not at the promise of God. He gave them a promise that didn't seem like it was like uh, reasonable. But they didn't wait, right? And so when we have the imputed righteousness, the promise of God, we have to learn that our faith 
needs to be strong enough not to waver in the winds of change <coughs> in the world. What if you were born in a different country, in a different time, under a different uh, regime, or whatever you want to call it, administration? What if what in America? Could you still be a Christian? Sure. It doesn't matter. You see. Doesn't matter that I didn't get the height that I wanted. God still could love me. You see. Doesn't matter about those things because he's not looking at the physical. And in fact, he's not even looking at my works because salvation isn't by works. I can do the best I can do and Alfred all I want to, but it ain't gonna do a dime's worth of good because salvation is the question. My works. We're saved by grace. Now, do I have works? Yes, because faith demands it. Love demands it. But it's not of merit. God doesn't own me. He's already paid for and imputed the righteousness of his son to you and me. Something we don't deserve and we didn't earn. Thank God. Because I can't earn it. And I definitely don't deserve it. But he makes us worthy. He makes us to where we can have it. That's why we humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God so that he can work with us and mold us and bring us along in faith. Yet not looking, looking unto the promise of God. See, he's seen way off. Through his mind's eye, through the eye of faith, he wavered not through unbelief, but waxed strong through faith giving glory to God and being fully assured that what he had promised he was able also to perform. You see that fully assurance there? You see that being fully assured? See, this is what happens. The biggest weapon that the devil has to use discouragement and not being fully assured. Because if you don't have the spirit of Christ in you and you're not fully assured, it's pretty easy to put a chink in the armor. Because you've not got that full armor on. See, I don't like walking along in my spiritual life weak and bakerly, and I've done that. But when we see the imputed righteousness that we have, we no longer want to be that weak and bakerly person. We want to be the appreciative person. We want to be the thankful person that's walking by faith, congruent with the faith. In other words, congruent. Um, here's my faith, and here's the way I walk. I'm walking right. Not, not here's my faith, and here's the way I walk. That's incongruent. And so what we believe is how we live. In Christ. And verse 21 talks about Abraham being fully assured. See, how are we going to be fully assured? If you listen to the TV, if you listen to the media, if you listen to the radio, the news, the print, whatever it is out here, are they going to fully assure you of Christ? No. No. That stuff is made to give you anxiety and doubtfulness and darkness, and all the stuff that the world loves. But I'm telling you, the Word of God will illuminate the Spirit of God in your life and give you the strength that you need. I'm telling you, my mother used to go through my stuff and say, hey, son, you're listening to wrong stuff. She's right. She threw it out sometimes, too. Well, I got mad at her, and I'd go buy it again, see? The rebelliousness. But it didn't do me a dime's worth of good because, you see, sin can never profit you anything unless you learn something from it. That's the whole thing. And then even then, if it profit, because if you stay away from it, that's what it profits. Because you're on the side of God. You're trying to stay that side. 
being fully assured that what he had promised, and he's promised us this imputed righteousness and stuff, that he was also able to perform. Not because of me, but because of his son. You see, we look at ourselves and we go, well, how can God love me? I've sinned. I'm not that good. i got all kinds of problems. How could he love me? Well, he made me. And he knew I was going to have problems. And he showed me the way up. Now, you can either get on board, or you can go out there and wander off on your own, figure it out for yourself. See what you got to offer on Judgment Day. Not me. Because I know what I got to offer on Judgment Day, and it ain't nothing. I want that blood of Christ right there to cleanse me. Every sin that I've ever committed, or ever will commit. I don't want to live in sin. But I'm here to tell you that I ain't going to be perfect in the next, I don't know, I'd say 72 hours, I think, you know, about, about my mass. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You just can't be that. Because what, what about the sin of omission? What things have I forgot that I didn't even think about? And what about all the immaturity of my life where I was immature all the time, but I can't even help anybody else out? Now, I can sit here and condemn myself for the next hour and a half. I ain't got to die for the good. Because on that day, that the devil would condemn me, or I would even condemn myself. Christ paid for my sins, my deficiencies, because he's tried to mold me and sanctify me and bring me out of the world. And I listen. I want to listen. I want to obey. I want to trust and obey. Like he says. Verse 22, Wherefore also it was reckoned unto him for righteousness. It was reckoned unto him, his faith. And his faith led him to do things. Powerful things. But until we build that faith, we don't have that bulwark to build us up. You see, he waxed strong in his faith. I want to wax strong in faith. I want to have the Spirit of God in me so good that when I've read his word and I understand the imputed righteousness and the temptations of life come at me and I just, I can laugh at them. <laughs> I don't even want, I don't even want your nonsense anymore. I don't, I don't want it. Because I have a more beautiful thing to be doing than what the world can offer me. And it's a, an eternal thing. What if I could, what if I what if you could influence somebody for Christ that they would look to the Lord and become saved? Ha! Huh? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Because He offers salvation to all men. Now, there ain't very many of us that come here and take it, but I got that. But you never know. How valuable is the soul to God? Well, it's so valuable that He sent His Son down here to live in misery amongst us and live by faith just like we had to. And he will die on the cross. He raised the third day. For my sin. Your sin. All people's sin. So we're all in the same boat. But when we understand the imputed righteousness, it starts to bring us up a little bit, doesn't it? It starts to make us have a different kind of a thought. That maybe this world doesn't have such great stuff for us waiting. Turn with me to Psalms 106.
And we're going to read from verse 24 on. I don't know, we'll read all the way down. But we're in the wilderness down here today. You and I are. And these people back then that we're going to read about, they were in the wilderness too. And I want to learn a little lesson from these people because I don't want to, I don't want to displease God. I want to walk in the sun. So let's take a look and see what happens here in Psalms 106. Yea, they despised the pleasant land. They believed not his word. Therefore he swore unto him that he would overthrow them in the wilderness. Now this is his people. And that he would overthrow their seed amongst the nation and would scatter them in the lands. And they joined themselves also unto Baal, Peor, and ate the sacrifices of the dead. And thus they provoked him, God, to anger with their doings. And the plague broke upon them. Then stood up Phineas and executed judgments, and so the plague was stayed. And that, and that was reckoned unto him for righteousness unto all generations forevermore. They, and then it goes on to tell that they angered him. But look down there at 34. They did not destroy all the peoples as Jehovah commanded him. So they didn't do everything that he told them to. And so they pleased him. Now he gave them a physical commandment that they were to go do. But he's given us a spiritual commandment. The word of God. We are exonerated under his son. They had to show their faith by their deeds. When they didn't do that, they showed their faith. When God tells me to do something, he wants me to do it 100%. When he told them to wipe those people out down there, he had a reason for it. Now, we all have a soft heart. We didn't want to kill everybody. I got that. <clears throat> That's the way man thinks. But God told them to do something. And they didn't do it. Because they didn't trust him 100%. And therefore what happened? They didn't please God. And later on it come back to Bible, didn't it? Come back to Bible because they let those people live. As he told them it would. And see, we've got to get sin out of our life. That's what the story's about. Get sin out of our life so that we can understand the faith that we live by. Oh, it's a difficult deal. It's not easy. It's not easy for me. It's not easy for you. But I'm not the one that paid the price of salvation that Christ did. My job is to be thankful. My job is to turn my life around, repent of sin and those kind of things. It's lifetime work, isn't it? It's a lifetime work. Because we get ingrained with things that the world out here has taught us and showed us and that we've accepted that becomes part of our personality. What if you're angry all the time? What if you're a little dishonest? What if you're sensual? What, you know, there's a thousand things I could say there. But here's what happens. We turn our minds around towards Christ and we want to please God and we see the gratefulness of salvation. We're grateful for that. That... I'm grateful that he loves me, even though I'm imperfect, you know. Verse 39, we talked about uh, defilement this morning in class. Thus they were defiled. They lost their holiness with their works, and they played the harlot in their doings. 
You see, they walked away from God even though He blessed them. And the more He blessed them, the more they walked away from Him. And see, we want to be careful not to do that. We want to be careful to listen to God and do His whole complete will, that, you know, being baptized, walking in the light, because you're not going to be perfect. His will isn't that you're perfect, and His will is that you follow the Son. His will is that your salvation, your salvation comes through the exoneration. It comes through Christ. Because you'll never earn it. You can't earn it. It's unearnable. It's a priceless gift. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough assets. You don't have enough lifetime. You don't have enough of anything to get it. Christ did, and he paid for it and bought our salvation. Thanks be to God that he sent his son. You see, that even a wretch like me can be saved. We sing that song. Turn with me to Isaiah 35. We were talking about this, I think, this morning. And uh, we're going to start about the third verse. He's talking about how we are. And we've got to strengthen ourselves. He says, strengthen the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance and will recompense. And with the recompense of God, he will come save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as the heart and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. And the glowing sand shall become a pool and the thirsty grounds a spring of water. We're seeing a description of the beauty of God here. In the habitation of jackals where they lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes. And here it is, verse 8, 9, and 10. Here we are. And, it sh- and a highway shall be there. And a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for the redeemed. Woohoo! That's us. The wayfaring men, yea, fools, they won't enter on it. That's why there's so little of us. You know, you may think, you may think that you're not very high in society, and that may be true. And you may even think, well, I'm not that well-educated according to society, and that may be true. Those things have nothing to do with your salvation. God isn't looking for the high and the mighty of this world. He's looking for the humble man the man that will come to him in his humility and understand how weak he really is and get the grace of God and grow in faith by the Spirit of God. That he stands up as a man in Christ, a spiritual man in Christ. He still may have the raggedy clothes. He still may have the health problems that he has. He still may be limping along physically. But he's growing inside spiritually. Because our body's decaying. If your body ain't decaying, you're pretty young still. Well, you get a certain age, and it ain't even that old. I think 35 or something like that. We start going downhill pretty quick. No lion shall be there, verse 9, nor there shall be any ravenous beast go up thereon. And he's talking figuratively. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. This highway of holiness. 
And the ransomed of Jehovah shall return and come with singing unto Zion, the church of God. And everlasting joy shall be on their heads, and they shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. So, down here, we have a lot of problems. Crying, sighing, uh, you know, all We'll no longer be burdened with those things because we will be a spiritual person. Because that imputed righteousness is going to bring us right, right to God. You've got to understand that. Because if you can't see that, you won't live with that purpose of holiness in your life. And we want to live with that purpose of holiness of Christ in our life and everything that we do. Turn with me to uh, Hebrews 11. And by the way, this is the this is the chapter of faith, and I'm not going to go through the whole chapter, but we are going to read the first six verses because we need to see something. We're looking at the imputed righteousness, but our faith is based on facts. Our faith is based upon what we know to be true. So faith is not based upon lying. There's no such thing as blind faith. Now the world has blind faith, but blind faith doesn't lead you into a ditch. We have faith that's educated. We have faith because it comes in here. Guess what? You start reading God's word, and you're going to start thinking a little bit better. You're going to start putting dots connected. You keep watching the television and all the darkness that they have out there. The only thing you're going to connect the dots of is the darkness. I used to read all them true crime novels years ago. That's all I could think about. Oh, I wonder. Oh, I sure hope nobody's got killed over there or whatever. It's all nonsense. I'm not a criminal. I'm not going to be one. I don't want to think about it anymore. That's when I was young. You know, you read all them weird novels. But look what it says here. Hebrews 11. Now, faith is the assurance. Because, see, you become what you think about. Think about that one. Whatever profession you've ever done, whatever thing you've ever done in life, you thought about it before you did it. You can't be a welder or electrician or even a laborer unless you think about it first. You've got to get a little something somewhere in your mind that you're going to, even if you're going to go mow the lawn, you've got to think, well, let's see. I think I need a lawn more. Okay, that's the first thing I need. Oh, I might need gas. And uh, Oh, I better put some shoes on. You know, I mean, it goes down the whole thing. So faith is not blind. It's assured faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, a conviction of things not seen. Now, let's stop right there. If anybody is not convicted of things unseen, next week I'll bring a cord we can plug into the wall, and on the other end it will be two, you know, bare pieces of wire. And so, you know, you can hold one, and then you can look for the electricity as you touch the other one, you don't see a thing except stars. And you will feel it. But you don't see the manifestation of electricity until we put it into a machine that's designed to use it. And then we still don't see the electricity. We see the manifestation of it. You want to see a light bulb. You see the heat of the, whatever, the little titanium, whatever it is, wire that they're burning. But you don't see the electricity. Because electricity is invisible, but it's powerful. 
Well, that's just one example. Try to hold your breath. I mean, you know, this is a physical thing. Air don't mean a thing. Just go ahead and hold your breath for like 450 seconds, and we'll haul you out of here. Because air don't mean nothing. It's invisible. Right? You can't even see what... What did it do? Did you see, see anything it did me? Yeah. You guys are all laughing, but you don't believe in air? You don't think it's real? You see, this is the thing. We have ridiculous ways of looking at things in the, in the world, and they, oh, God don't exist. Oh, really? Well, just hold your breath. Air don't either. Yeah. And I'm not saying it to be funny. I'm saying it to be real, because we have to understand and have full assurance of this faith. It's a spiritual thing. It's like the me breathing in the air. You're not. You're, the difference you're going to see in air breathing is that I'm the sailor. The difference you're going to see in breathing in God's word is a change of life. Change of life. So that's what happens to us, because it happens naturally if you want to be a child of God. I mean, you either do or don't want to be, you know. And the world, they, they tell us perfectly, oh, we want heaven, but then they show us that they don't. Because they show God that they don't. They're not here. They don't bother to come. So let's start over. Verse, verse 1, Hebrews 11. For now, faith is assurance of things hoped for, a conviction of things not seen. For therein the elders had witness born to them. Verse 3, by faith we understand the worlds have been framed by the word of God, so that what is seen has not been made out of things which appear. When he created, he created out of nothing, and he spoke it into existence by his word. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. They both offered the sacrifice. We're living in the world, same as the people out there in the world. What's the difference between the two boys' sacrifice? They live out there. And some of them are better than I am. More, it seems like. They're really good. I mean, you know, they can really hold the line. But they're not living by faith. They're living by merit. They're living by their works. Their faith is in themselves. In the ability to be good. Thank God for Christ. Because if I had to have faith in my ability to be good, I'm done. I might as well walk out today. But you know what? I'm not the same person I was when I was younger. So my ability to be good is what? It's grown quite a bit. Not that I'm proud, but I know that I'm not the same person I was. I ain't stretching imagination. And so that's what God does to us. He brings us along. And it never stops. It never stops. He's working with you till the day you take your last breath. You see. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. That's how favored he was with God. And he was not found because God translated him, for he hath a witness, had witness borne to him that before his translation he had been well-pleasing unto God. Now, I'm not Enoch. And I know for a fact I have been well-pleasing unto God. I can't do what Enoch did back then. So I still have to rely on the blood of Christ. Because I've already blown it. If you want to, if you want to look at legality of Scripture, every one of us already blown it because we're all condensed of the sin. And you sin once and you blow it. What about next week's sin? Last week's sin. Now I'm not saying that any of you want to purposely sin. We're not trying to do that. 
But before God, you're not going to live perfect. You're going to make a mistake. In the coming weeks, you guys are better than I am. So next coming three, four weeks, you'll make a mistake. I've got a couple hours left. But the thing is, is what we're trying to understand here is it's not the mistake made. It's the faith given. And are you going to wallow in sin or are you going to get up and dust that off and walk towards Christ again? See? Because that's what the thing is. We're always looking to God. We're always walking towards Him. We dust ourselves off. It takes a while to change our minds. That's why it's so imperative we read God's Word that He does change our mind because that's what He's in the business of is educating us. Verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to be well-pleasing unto him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that seek after him. Now, that's all the farther I want to go. I want you to read the whole chapter. But we don't have time to read it here, because I'm already out of time. And I'm only another third of the way through our lesson. <laughs> so I may have to read it back again. But it's so imperative that we understand the imputation of righteousness on us. Because we'll look at ourselves and we'll condemn ourselves. And I'm condemnable if I look at myself through my human eyes. But then I have to understand that I'm a purchased possession. And I don't necessarily have a right to judge myself that harshly. I need to knock the sin off and walk towards Christ and let him be the judge. Because Guess what? When we're walking in Christ, we're walking in obedience to the faith. We're walking by faith. And that's what he wants. And we are going to be that person that he will not impute sin. He'll impute righteousness to us. You see the difference? People that aren't in Christ, people that aren't baptized, they're living under their own sin. Their own sin is there. They've got no washing of the blood. They've got no exoneration. They've got no imputed righteousness. There's no one who will pass through the gate without the imputed righteousness of Christ. Not one person. Not one person. Not the heroes of faith. Not the preachers. Nobody. Imputed righteousness of Christ. That's what's purchased our... His blood purchased us. But his righteousness is what saves us. Because his righteousness resides on me if I want it. If I want to walk in it. If I want to be on that highway of righteousness. If I realize these things. I've got a few other things to say. It's quarter after. These other things are too much for us to finish in 15 minutes. So I'm going to leave them for one more time. But I hope that you're getting the message. The message is that... As pitiful as we are, and I say we because I am, and I know that everybody has their weaknesses, God loves us. He sent his son for us. And we're going to learn to live in gratefulness and obedience to the faith. The faith. Not a faith. We're not manufacturing religion here. We're looking at God's word. And he's the one who tells us how to be. And so when he tells us to come into Christ, to be baptized, to wash away our sins, and be baptized for remission of sins, that we might walk in the newness of life, it just takes a little while for us to get in our heads. Because we think, well, and a lot of people, this is the other thing, a lot of people get wet, they get baptized, they think, well, I got it done. No, no, no. 
He said, we rise up to walk in newness of life. Baptism is just a birth. This is where we get started. And like a baby, guess what happens? It takes a little while for us to figure out what that birth really was. No, we knew what it was when we did it. But then it's like that song. What is it, Jeff? When this passing world is done. Yeah, what, what, what's uh, it over here? It's uh, 487 in the red book. Oh, red book. Yeah. Well, you're a tricky guy. It's not the blue one. That's why I couldn't find it. I looked at a whole blue book over it. Thank you, honey. This song, I want to read these lyrics, and we're gonna we're gonna stand for our closing song and hard lesson. When this passing world is done, ain't no one I ever knew got out of here alive, you me included. When has sunk yonder glaring sun? When I stand with Christ on high, looking on or life's history. Then, Lord, shall I fully know, not till then, how much I owe. See, we don't realize how much we owe down here. We know. In fact, we can't even know it. And when I think about that, I realize that even in my best performance, my best appreciation, my best walking by faith, <clears throat> I still don't know how much I owe. And all that I offer is dirty rags. So I want to cling to Christ even more. Because he's my righteousness. He's your righteousness. When I stand before the throne dressed in beauty, not my own. See, this is the whole thing about this imputed righteousness that I'm trying to show us. The second stanza says it. When I stand before the throne dressed in beauty, not my own. When I see thee as thou art, love thee with unsinning heart. You see, we hold back love from God right now. Because of sin. You know that? You give your whole heart to God? I'd like to say I have. But I know that we hold back things from God. And that's what we've got to get to. Is we've got to have that relationship with God. We're not holding back anything. Because he wants us as a son. He doesn't want us as someone that's trying to pull wool over his eyes. Because you're going to fool God. You're going to come to him in humility. You're going to come to him seeking his grace. You're going to come to him covered by the blood of his son and the remission of your sins. And then guess what? You've got favor with God. You've got grace. You can live this life without the fear. Now, I'm talking about the fear of condemnation. We still fear God. We still respect God. But we don't fear Him like the world fears Him. When the praise of heaven I hear loud as thunders to the ear, loud as many waters, noise. Well, the last verse is what I want to get to. Even on earth as through a glass, darkly lit thy glories pass. Make forgiveness feel so sweet. Thy spirit's help so mean. In other words, it's so qualified. E'en on earth, Lord, let me know something of how much I owe. See, we, we'll never figure it out how much we really owe. How much Christ paid me. I still cannot, if I sit here and think about it, I don't have enough time to think about what Christ has paid for me. My exoneration before God. God, the, the devil calling down to God to accuse me of all the things I did, and God's going, ah, no, 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 no. You can just knock that off right now. He's bad, yeah. But he's been washing the blood. 
he had respect for my son. That's what you want him to say about you. And Christ is my righteousness. I'm dressed in beauty, not my own. I don't know how much I owe down here, but I want to try to think about it. And be grateful, be thankful, because this is the spiritual life that he calls us to. When we let the world whisper in our ear all the time, to where that's the only thing we think about, we're listening to the wrong thing, folks. And it's hard, because we live in a media world, where everything's on the media. I know, my whole world's on the phone and the computer. But you've got to shut that stuff off, or turn it to a different channel, like reading the Bible or something, so that you have that spirit of God in you, not the spirit of the world. Because we want to be sanctified, separated, be a part, and be pleasing to God. We're on that last day when we take that. We're dressed in righteousness, not our own. The righteousness of Christ. If you're outside the body of Christ, we invite you to be baptized into Christ to start on your journey. And if you're a Christian, I hope I hope this helped you to understand the imputed righteousness that already you have. You doubt it? Don't doubt it. Understand it. God has rewarded them that seek him. He loves us. He did all this because he loves us. And the world wants to tell you a different thing. And that's why we've got to quit listening. Because they want us to see God as somebody that's vengeful. And he is to the sinner. But not to the loved ones. He wants us. He did this whole thing that he might get men to come live with him. But we ain't going to come live with him in our sin. Because the right, righteousness up there is going to be, the, you know, the rules up there are going to change. That's the thing about our God. We know what we're going to. He gives us righteousness down here. He'll give us righteousness up there. That's what we need. Let's stand and sing our closing song. Thank you so much for listening. <coughs>